Sunday morning, we're preaching the promises of God. We didn't announce our Sunday services, but let me do it right now. This year is a year of promise for us. The Lord said, preach promises, preach promises, preach promises. And that's what we've been doing. And that's what we will do until the Lord tells us to do something different. It's that simple. This is not a sermon series. This is us hearing the voice of God and doing what he tells us to do. Así de fácil. So on Sunday, we're going to continue preaching yes and amen. Okay? Be here. Here are our service times. Coachella Campus, 9 a.m. In, Sp in Spanish, 11 a.m. in English. Indio Campus, 8 a.m. early service, 9.30 second service. Okay, so get here on Sunday because the Spirit of God has been moving and will continue to visit us. Say amen if you know that's to be true. All right. Let's stand now. Our time is limited. We have to be home and your children need to be in bed by 845. So we need to be out of here in 25 minutes. Everybody stand and take your Bible in your hand. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. We already read it, but we're going to read it again. Thank you for those of you that have been praying for us. We traveled. We had a long day on Sunday. If you missed our church outside in the park, you missed out on a blessing. We had a great, great time in the presence of God. And after that, we traveled to Mission Viejo. We preached at Centro Cristiano Internacional, or CCI as they call it. Great move of God at the altar. I want to say 95% of the church responded to the altar call. And that was an altar call for the Lord to deal with sin. And usually people don't respond to those things. But God was in the house, and we thank you for your prayers. Say amen to that. Keep us in prayer. In a few weeks, we'll be doing ministering at a youth conference. Uh, and, and we continue to go as he sends us. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. We'll read one verse, and then we're going to have a history lesson tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a history lesson. All right. Jeremiah 32, 27. Ready? Read. Behold, I am the Lord. That's only half of you. Everybody reading together. That's how we do it at Abundant Life Church. Ready? Read. Bow your head. Father, we thank you for your glory and your presence. It's such an honor, Lord, that you allow us to come and sit at your feet tonight. As we do so, feed us, I pray, the milk and the meat of your word. Give us the bread of heaven until we want no more. I pray tonight that you would touch my lips, Lord, that it would not be my word spoken, but your word alone that goes forth in power. Give these, your people, an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. And we will be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Be seated, please. Many of you are new to the faith and you're not familiar to the book of Jeremiah. So I'm going to give you a brief history lesson and I have a lot tonight. I'm going to refer to my notes a lot because it's a, it's a, it's a lot for me to remember off the top of my mind. Okay. Few things. The book of Jeremiah, the prophecies that he writes are not always in chronological order. This is important for you to understand because if you read the book of Jeremiah and believe that his prophecies are in chronological order, you're going to get confused. Let's be clear about this. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He's known as the weeping prophet for this reason. God would raise him up to prophesy to Judah and to Israel right before they were about to go headlong into Babylonian captivity. Nebuchadnezzar would be raised up, hear me, by God to, to deal with the sin and the rebellion of his people. 
God would use Jeremiah to prophesy ultimately to Israel about the coming captivity. But not only the coming captivity, in between those prophecies of imminent uh, captivity, God would give his people promises. Fast forward to our text. A lot to cover in 20 minutes. In our text tonight, we have a proverbial prophetic sandwich. Jeremiah chapter 32 is the meat of this sandwich. Jeremiah 31 before it and Jeremiah 33 after that are of utmost importance. So tonight I want you, and don't act like you can't do this. Even if you're new to the faith, I'm going to make it and present it to you in a way that you can understand what the purpose of this is. We have to know the historical implications of Israel and Babylon because it represents a lot of what happens to us. And God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is still using types of Nebuchadnezzars to take us headlong into a wilderness place, into a place of captivity, to eradicate the rebelliousness in our heart. If you don't believe that God will still raise up a Nebuchadnezzar to get you where you need to be, my friend, you are sadly mistaken. And some of you came to church tonight going through hell and high water, and the Spirit of God drew you to this assembly so that you would understand that some of the things you're going through is nothing more than your sovereign God allowing these situations and circumstances to bring you to a place of repentance to bring you to a place where you are going to ultimately get back to worshiping the one true God isn't it amazing that Israel even after having seen the power of God the miracles of God they still went headlong into idolatry they still turned their back on the one true God so God had to raise up a man by the name of Jeremiah to say hear O Israel thus says the Lord captivity is coming but instead of hearing the word of God those who reigned over Israel put Jeremiah in a prison and said how dare you prophesy to us our imminent capture we don't want to hear what you have to say and they rebelled against the word of Jeremiah who basically said here it is cliff notes and by the way Get the CD because you're never going to hear a Pentecostal preacher give you a summary of the book of Jeremiah like I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Jeremiah was prophesying, ultimately, get ready, the Chaldeans are coming. And when they come, don't fight because the more you fight, the worse it's going to be. But the kings of Judah and Israel grew angry with Jeremiah, threw him in a prison. At one point, they put stocks on his hands. Pusha, by the way, which in Hebrew means freedom. And Jeremiah would tell that pusher, oh, your name is Pusha, but, but in the eyes of God, your name is not Pusha. Your eyes, your, your name is fear will surround you on every side. Wow, that's what kind of prophecy God was giving to Jeremiah. So you can imagine why he ended up in prison. Watch it now. Israel and Judah's leaders, they wanted nothing to hear from the man of God. Here's the prophecy of Jeremiah in a nutshell. We're going into captivity, but God will deliver us from that captivity after 70 years, and he will return us to our own land, and we will rebuild the temple. But instead, all they heard was captivity, and they said, no, let's fight. Are you with me still? Good. Now look at your Bible. Don't look at this handsome preacher. Look at your Bible. Why didn't you say amen, Mondo? Come on, I said handsome preacher. Amen? Thank you, brother. Look at your Bible. If you don't have one, follow on the, on the screen. This is the most Bible you're ever going to read in one service, I promise you. Am I sorry? No. 
If you can Netflix and chill for five hours at your house, then you can read a chapter of the Word of God. Amen. All five of y'all that are happy about it. Jeremiah 31, I'm going to read. I'm not going to have you read with me. It's too much. Listen or read it in your Bible. Follow along. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel. They shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. By the way, feel free to thank God as you read the word. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you. By the way, this is, mind you, this is a promise of God in the face of the reality of impending captivity. You following the thought? So there's a lot of bad news going on, but that bad news, they brought it upon themselves. I'll deal with that in a minute. But here's the promise. Ready? Let's keep reading. Verse 4, again, I will build you and, shall be built, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth. I feel the Holy Ghost when I read the Bible. I don't know about anybody else, but it ministers to my soul. Shall so go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Verse 5, again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. Verse 6, for there shall be a day when watchmen will call in the hill country of Ephraim. Arise and let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim and give praise and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country, and I will gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together. A great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas for mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel." And Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, you're not hearing the promise, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, hello somebody, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. Come on, senior ministry. I will turn their mourning into... Joy, I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my what? With my goodness, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord. Keep your voice from weeping. And your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. That's reason for you to shout. There is hope. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me. 
and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. You better hear me. Let me pause, because God would use Babylon as his instrument of judgment against his people to deal with their sin and their idolatry. Just like God is using your troubled times to deal with your sin and your idolatry. Some of us, I, I've grown up in Pentecost, and some of us, we bind and rebuke the devil. And it's not the devil that's messing with you. It's God's sovereignty over your life. And he has allowed that trouble to come to bring you back to a place of holiness and reverence. I know that's an antiquated message. Who would, who would think such a thing, right? 2019, are you telling me that Nebuchadnezzar still lives? Yeah, the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar still lives. And it's still driving God's people into captivity when necessary. But don't fret, even those of you that are in captivity right now, God has a promise of restoration over your family. And that's reason for you to give God praise. Because even though, come on now, even though for a little while the discipline, the rod of the Lord seems unpleasant, he chastens those that belong to him. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. Where are we at? I got a little happy. Verse eight, where are we at? Verse 18. Thank you. For after I had turned away, I relented. And after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed and I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. How many of you can relate to that? All five of you. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. What a promise. He still remembers us. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. Think of this. It's not talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. The Lord of glory says, therefore, my heart yearns for my people. Even though our heart often doesn't, his heart yearns for us. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up road markers for yourself. Make yourself guideposts. Consider well the highway, the road by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel. Return to these your cities. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing on the earth. A woman encircles a man. 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I restore their fortunes. The Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness, O holy hill. And Judah and all his cities shall dwell there together. And the farmers and those who wander with their flocks for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish at this I awoke and looked and my sleep was pleasant to me I love that Jeremiah he paused and said at this I awoke and that sleep was good 27 behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast and it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down get it as I have watched over them to what? To pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring harm. So I will watch over them to what? To build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. 31, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Is if, if this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. 38. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the city shall be rebuilt. For the Lord from the tower of Hanael to the corner gate and the measuring line shall go out farther straight to the hill Garib and shall then turn to Goa, the whole valley of the dead bodies and the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook Kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be sacred to the Lord. It shall not be plucked up or overthrown anymore forever. That's a lot of Bible. Next chapter. In the next chapter, we read about how Jeremiah is then thrown in prison. Can we continue? All two of you say amen to this. Chapter 32. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm going to give you a summary. I'm just going to read the first few verses. Follow along still. Are you all right? Say amen. Check on your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you all right? Check on your other neighbor on the other side. Say, neighbor, are you all right? Okay. Just checking. Somebody shout 32. Look at your Bible. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year. Ready? Get it. Don't miss it. 32. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah. Everybody say Zedekiah. King of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. This is where that chronological thing comes into play. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned Jeremiah. You following? And this is what he said. Why do you prophesy and say, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. And he shall take Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall remain until I visit him, declares the Lord. Though you fight against the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. You seen that? So Zedekiah, king of Judah, throws Jeremiah where? Into prison. Why? We just read why. Because he's prophesying that they were going to take them away to Babylon. They didn't like it. So they put him in prison. I believe before the coming of Yeshua, the same thing is going to happen to true believers. They ain't going to like what we're preaching, those that are declaring the word of the Lord. And we might get incarcerated. I've said it for years at Abundant Life. My only prayer is if they throw your pastor in prison, y'all better bail me out. 
I need more amens from the congregation. I said, if they throw me in prison, y'all better bail me out. I was waiting on your amen, Flavio. In fact, just for that, I hope they throw you in with me, bro. Maybe me and Elder Brown a little better. I need, I need somebody big, bodyguard protection or something, right? If you mess with me, you got to mess with my elder, praise the Lord. Are you following me still here tonight? Now, there were multiple times during the prophetic ministry of Jeremiah that he would come to Israel and Judah and say, hey, turn, repent, stop doing what you're doing because it's going to lead to repercussions. God's going to deal with the, with the sin in Judah. Stop it. Watch. But the more that he prophesied, the more rebellious they became to the point that they threw him in prison to shut him up. This is why Jeremiah says, I wish I could be quiet, paraphrasing. I tried to be quiet. I said, I will no longer prophesy to this people. I'm going to be quiet now. Ready? And then he said, but the more that I try to be quiet, the word of the Lord consumed me from the inside, and it was like We sing it in Pentecost. It's like fire shut up in my bone. And it has nothing to do with what Jeremiah had going on. <laughs> Jeremiah had fire in his bones because he was prophesying to a rebellious people who did not want to hear the word of the Lord. And he said, I'm going to be quiet now because they ain't hearing. And he said, but the more I try to be quiet, it consumes me from the inside out. Like fire on the inside of me. Poor Jeremiah. The more he prophesied, the matter they got. And I know that's poor grammar. I imagine it. They grew all the more angry with Jeremiah. But even from prison, he would continue to prophesy. Zedekiah, this, this, this king right now at this point in our chapter, in chapter 32. Just like Jeremiah said, not only would he be taken away by Nebuchadnezzar, ready? Because after nine years, he got uppity and said, you know what? <clears throat> I think we're ready to attack again. Let's revolt. Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to, you want to be free? He comes back and that time would destroy the temple and would almost wipe out completely Israel. Not only that, but he would take Zedekiah's children right before his face and he would gouge his eyes out think of this all because he didn't take heed to the word of the lord can you imagine brother gary if we were still losing our eyes out here for not taking heed thank god for the grace you might not lose your eyes but you for sure, you for sure will be blinded spiritually. Because our eyesight is not only physical. My friend, you better hear me by the Holy Ghost. There are whole denominations that have lost their spiritual vision. And they're going headlong into rebellion against the word of the Lord. Why? Because they lost their eyesight years ago because they stopped hearing the word of God. Every time this preacher preaches, you'll hear me say the same thing, not because of repetition, because God hates repetition. I pray the same thing for us and for you. Ready? Give us ears to hear. 
Because according to the prophet Amos, in the last days, there will not be a famine for the preaching of the word. There's going to be a famine for the hearing of the word. Let's keep going. So, let's go to the end of the chapter. Ready? Beginning in verse 27. Estás conmigo? Are you still with me? Come on, we got five minutes left. Ready? Let's go quick. Ahora, ahora sí. Todos juntos. Now let's read together. Ready? Go. Behold. Keep reading. Therefore. Ready? Into the hands. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And. Stop. That ain't nothing to shout about, right? Ready? Behold. I'm giving your city to Nebuchadnezzar, and he will capture it. Told him. Nebuchadnezzar's coming back again, and he's going to get it. Are you following? Keep reading. It gets better. Ready? The Chaldeans. Help me read. Ready? Go. The Chaldeans who are. Shall what? And with the houses on the roofs, offerings have been made to who? To what? Help me read it. To what? To provoke me to. 30. For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done. From there, the children of Israel have done. <laughs> okay, stop. You get, you get in the idea here? Pastor, what are you trying to tell me? Here it is. That God used Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian captivity to get God's people where they needed to be. What does that mean to me? God will allow and God will use the trouble in your life to bring you back to a place where you're in right relationship with him. Does it feel good? Somebody shout, nope. Do you want to be taken away to cap into captivity? No, nobody does. But guess what? It's going to happen. Here's why. Because there's no other way for you to turn away from your idolatry. And no, nobody's going to say, I'm not that stubborn. Yes, you are. The ones that say they're not are the worst ones. That's for my neighbor. That's for, she's stubborn. She's stubborn. Terca. Ella. Pastor, I'm glad my friend came. This is for her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, this is for you. Praise God, I'm glad you came. This is all for you. You're terrible. Your wife's laughing, Brother Danderos, and I don't know why. It's making me nervous. I'm going to go over here. Somebody shout, this is for me. Because you know the things in your life that don't honor God. And God's dealing with the sin in your life. Now, we got to finish because I'm out of time. Chapter 33 now. Ready? Here comes another promise. So God basically uses Jeremiah. Here's the word of the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar is coming. Babylon, the Chaldeans are coming. They're going to burn the city down. Chapter 33. Here's the, here's the top piece of bread or the bottom piece of bread in this sandwich. Ready? It's another promise. Don't, don't, don't get scared, Pastor Joel. Here comes another promise. Uh, give, 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 give me chapter 33, please. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. Somebody shout a second time. While he, will, while he was still... <laughs> I love it. While well, he was still where? Where was Jeremiah? He was still where? <laughs> Shut up in the court of the guard. Still in prison. Keep reading. Verse 2, please. 
And thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Go quickly, please. Uh, call to me and I will. And I will. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and the houses of the king, the king of Judah that were torn down to make a defense against the siege mounds and against the sword. They're coming in to fight against the Chaldeans. And to fill them with the dead bodies of men whom I shall strike down in my anger and my wrath, for I have hidden my face from this city because of all their evil. Six, behold, I will bring it to health. You don't know when to shout. This is where you get happy. And it's okay to get happy. Because I know some preachers and some saints who only like the hard stuff, but they never shout about the good stuff. Shout about both. Be a, be a believer that shouts about both. Well, I love David Wilkerson so much because he said, my people, I've pastored, I've raised up a people who only want me to preach hard. And the minute I, the minute I preach God's blessing and goodness, they get mad at me and say, you're not preaching anymore. <laughs> shout about both. Somebody shout both. both. Don't be happy about the hard and not rejoice about the good. The hard is not pleasant. If, if you knew the hell and high water that I've had to endure, and I'm not, I'm, this is not a pity party. I'm telling you the reality of my life. And I know you have your own version of hell, too. If you knew what I've had to withstand, if you knew what we've had to endure, it's only by the grace of God that we're still here. But let me tell you something. I'm able to look back over the hard things and say, God, thank you because of those things. See, you got to be able to shout about both. You got to not, you can't only shout about the blessings without shouting about Babylon. I'm going to say that one more time. Don't shout over the blessing while you neglect Babylon. You're going to get to the place, hear the word of the Lord, you're going to get to the place where you're going to be able to thank God for Babylon and the blessing. What do you mean Babylon? You're going to be able to thank God for Babylon and the blessing because you won't appreciate restoration until you know what captivity looks like. My God, I'm going to say it for the people in the back. You won't appreciate restoration until you know what captivity looks like. Help me, Fernie. You won't be able to thank God for your freedom until you know what it's like to be a prisoner. Who knows what it's like to be a prisoner? Raise your hand without being embarrassed. Come on. How many know what it's like to be a prisoner? How did it feel when you were free? You don't know what good food, to, you don't appreciate the good food until you've had bad. You don't savor what's sweet until you've had a bitter pill. This is what's dangerous with the gospel that only preaches blessing and never warns about Babylon. I thank God for every bitter season of my life. Pastor, you're only 37. What do you know about bitterness? I might go through a season down yonder, but I'm telling you right now, I've been through some things already. I've been through enough already to lift my hand and say, God, I thank you for every season. I thank you for every wilderness season. I thank you, Lord, for that desert place. I thank you for the dry place. Because if it wasn't for the dry place, I'd never learn how to thank you for the rivers that are moving in my life right now. If it wasn't for that, come on, if it wasn't for that temptation, if it wasn't for that trial, I'd never know the power of God to deliver me me if it wasn't for that hell that I went through I'd never know the comfort of your rod thy rod and thy staff they comfort me because you still lead me besides still water you still anoint my head with oil and my cup still runs over 
because the Lord still is my shepherd. God, I thank you that you'll lead me beside still water. You'll take me to green pasture and you'll also prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God, I thank you for every seed. So here's what the story teaches us, and here's your homework because I'm out of time. I want you to read the rest of chapter 33. There's the two breads and the meat in the middle, 31, 32, and 33. It's a prophetic sandwich. Read them. You can also read about the Babylonian captivity in the book of First and Second Kings, Second Kings more so. Ezra, by the way, Nehemiah, by, by Nehemiah's time, they would write about the restoration and the rebuilding of Israel. Ezra will talk about that, that, that pilgrimage out of captivity. Chronicles will talk about it. Kings will talk about it. By the time you get to Nehemiah, they're rebuilding the walls. Because a man by the name of King Cyrus would say, go back now and rebuild that temple. Read it. It's a lot to cover in 30 minutes. But here's what we learn. Put it up now. Three things. We're, we learned three things. Here it is. One, this history of Israel teaches us, number one, about God's faithfulness to his people. If you don't see that in the text, you're missing it. He's faithful to his people. If God is faithful over Israel, and he is, he's faithful to his own. And thank God because of Jesus that even as Gentiles, we've been grafted into that olive tree. And the blessing of God belongs to us as well. Somebody thank God that you're blessed today because of Jesus. If you know God is faithful, lift your hand and shout hallelujah. I only got 20. If you know God is faithful, lift your hand and shout hallelujah. He's faithful. I'm old at heart. That's why I love Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. You don't know nothing about that, Adam. Don't worry about it. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, thanks to Pastor Alice G. Munoz. She'd play that tape. That's right, not CD, tape. Come on, I, I, all the older saints in the back, y'all know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Sister Bertha. He's been faithful. I wish I could sing it like Brooklyn Tabernacle. I ain't even going to try to hit that high note. I ain't Kathy Cooper. But somebody shout, he's been faithful. Little Andres, you got to chill, baby. I'm trying to preach this message so we can go home. Give him titi. Quiere titi. Number two, we're done. Number two, this historical account teaches us about, how, about God's judgment of sin. Let me help you. God is going to deal with the sin in your life. He has to. Don't, be, don't get grumpy about it. God has to deal with the sin in your life. If he doesn't deal with the sin in your life, then you don't belong to him. How many can testify that God will deal with the sin in your life? The rest of you need to get saved. You're in the right place tonight. God's not going to let you live in sin. You can try it. You can vacation in it for a while, but you won't be happy there. 
misery, captivity, slavery. I'm just, fr I'm free, bro. I'm not a slave to sin. I can stop when I want. You're lying. If you could stop when you want, you would have stopped a long time ago. Every methamphetamine addict, every cocaine addict, y'all ain't talking to me. Every marijuana addict, every addict say, I can stop when I want. The devil is a liar. They can't put it down. If they could, they would have done it a long time ago. But I'm glad tonight that there is a man by the name of Jesus that can break every chain of addiction. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hey, God's got to deal with the sin in your life. Amen. God's got to deal with the sin in your life. Amen. Number three, this account teaches us, number three, the surety of his promises. Man, now I don't know about you, but can you imagine Israel when they're in Babylon? <sighs> waiting. Some of y'all have been waiting seven months and you're ready to quit on God. Can you imagine the first year, second year, seventh year, tenth year, twelfth year, twentieth year, twenty-fifth year? 30th year, 40th year, 50th year, try 70 years of captivity. But God never forgot the promise that he gave to his people. And the fact that right now in these last days, the fact that Israel not only abides, but that even now prophetically many are still right now returning to their land you're seeing the word of God right before your eyes. Aren't you glad that he's faithful to his promises? Clap your hands if you believe he's faithful to his promises. Somebody shout hallelujah if you know he's faithful to his promise. Everybody stand, I'm done. Junior, come.